0: When I think of Singapore, I remember a story a friend of mine told me when we were in junior high school, that if you chewed gum there and were caught by the authorities, you would be punished by caning. Now, clearly, this young friend of mine didn't have their facts straight. Chewing gum sales were banned in Singapore in 1992. Like many cities around the world before the ban, Singapore struggled with gum being discarded on the ground, on buttons for lifts and across doors on the mass rapid transit system that started running there in 1987. The problems the MRT in Singapore faced because of gun vandalism is what is partly credited for the ban. The caning part of the story comes from the tale of an American teenager who was sentenced to caning in 1994. But it wasn't for gum related vandalism. It was because of theft and spray paint vandalism charges. And by the way, since 2004, exceptions for chewing gum sales have been put in place. Obviously, there's a lot more to Singapore than its famous laws, although it's those very laws that make the city-state one of the cleanest and safest on Earth. The person credited with making Singapore a, quote, first world oasis in a third world region, end quote, was Singapore Prime Minister Lee Kuan Yew, or LKY as he became known. Singapore gained its independence from the United Kingdom and Malaysia in 1965, and when that happened, it needed to differentiate itself from other cities in Asia. LKY's Utopia was born. Today, Singapore has a booming economy and one of the busiest ports in the world. Its population of 5.6 million people are packed into 726 square kilometers. That's about twice the number of people in Toronto, packed into 100 more square kilometers of space than Toronto. And yet even with that kind of density, it's peaceful, clean, and comparatively crime-free. Join me as we visit a Canadian from the B.C. Rockies who's living in the beautiful, warm city-state of Singapore on Canadians Away. Welcome to Canadians Away. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Robin Larson may be a rolling stone. She's lived a few different places in Canada, now calling Singapore home. She says it's provided her with a focus on what she's looking for in a place to live. And just a note, this episode was recorded in the winter, which is why we're referencing chilly temperatures and big snow dumps.
1: I have lived in many different places in Canada. Um, but I moved from Revelstoke, BC, to Singapore.
0: And uh, what precipitated the move from from small town BC to a nation or a city state?
1: Um, well, so as I mentioned, I've lived uh, across Canada, so I've lived in a lot of major cities, and I've done quite a bit of traveling. Um, and there was a really amazing opportunity for me to do a work assignment, uh, with my current company, um, to help have boots on the ground in, for our Southeast Asia and China expansion.
0: That's cool. Was, was, I mean, you've lived all over Canada. Was it a difficult decision to decide to leave Canada and live in a place that's, that feels like it's so far away?
1: Um, I mean, that that's a funny thing because i i didn't think i didn't think it would be a difficult thing to do to be honest. Um, leaving leaving small town BC to the city i can see how that would be a pretty massive shift for a lot of people. Um, but i spent five years in Toronto. Uh, I spent eight years in Edmonton, uh, and i've explored a lot of parts of the world. So for me, it was. I have a company that is interested in allowing me to contribute to moving into Southeast Asia and China for a one-year work assignment. I couldn't. I didn't really see the the downside to giving up a year in Revelstoke uh, for that
0: opportunity. And how long have you been there so far?
1: Uh, it's been about eight months.
0: And do you feel like a year is going to be enough time to really like, you know, experience the place or are you, you, will it be just enough time? Are you kind of looking forward to whatever comes next?
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny because I've gone through a pretty substantial transition personally um, through this process and over the years. And I'm, I can say that the experience has been really incredible and very eye opening, but it has also brought into laser focus, what it is that I want to be doing um, with my life. And I'm really looking forward to building a community uh, in Revelstoke when I go home and spending a lot more time there uh, and building up a deeper level connection.
0: I don't necessarily want you to have to, you know, bury your soul, but but what are some of the things that made you realize what it was you wanted out of life uh, as it relates to your time abroad?
1: so as adults it takes a pretty long time it takes a much longer time i feel to develop deep meaningful connections with other people um and really develop that social circle that you can rely on right like um one of the things that's been interesting moving back into the city uh, i had been in Revelstoke for about two and a half years before i decided to take on this opportunity and To be totally frank, I really like walking down the street and going to my neighbor's house and asking him for a cup of sugar if I need it, Um, or walking down the street and not being able to get two blocks because I've run into three or four people that I know, Um, and that sense of community is really something that I have a sense of deep craving for, uh, and it just really solidified that for me uh, coming abroad. But the one thing that has been really incredible with this experience is just bringing to light again, how small the world really is. Um, I've spent a lot of time across Southeast Asia as well, and seeing a lot of um, folks in developing nations, you see how people are so happy and live in such abundance with so little. And It really brings into perspective just how lucky we are to have these types of opportunities in Canada. And like um I think that has just brought a lot of awareness to what it is that I want personally.
0: Yeah, no, it sounds like a a pretty profound realization. The this idea of I guess I'm gonna paraphrase and call it like neighborliness, the the ability, like you said, to go uh next door and ask to borrow a a cup of sugar well to take a cup of sugar from a neighbor is there what is it about where you are now that made you realize that that's something you were craving and i guess what i'm asking really is like are the folks in singapore that you're meeting are are you finding them to be a little more distant than you you would prefer or than you're used to in canada
1: um not really and i don't i don't think it's canada versus singapore really i think it's um, the scale of community, right? There's millions of people in a place like Singapore and there is so much business and there's so much happening all the time. Um, and people are, uh, people are caught up in their own lives, right? So um, Singapore is a really incredible place. I've learned so much about so many different cultures. Um, but I can definitely say that it's taken me a little while to kind of start to develop the community and a lot longer than I had expected, um, in a place like Singapore, cause there are so many people, right?
0: Yeah. Millions, like you said, and I guess the same would be true in a, in a large city in Canada, like Toronto. I mean, obviously not as many people, but that sense of community may be lost with a larger being surrounded by so many people, but I imagine you do find pockets of community, uh, in a place like where you're living now that, you know, enhance the experience of the place.
1: Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, coming from Revelstoke, I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. And so I really started to seek out, um, those types of people while I was while I was in Singapore, and so I've been spending a lot of time wakeboarding uh, in Singapore, and there's a great group of folks over there.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Y- you know, it's it's a place where you were talking about all these different cultures that you bear witness to. Um, who are you seeing? Who are you hanging out with? Do you wind up spending a lot of time with other Canadians who are living there from uh, from home, or or is it just a blend of all? Never t-
1: yeah, I mean, not particularly, I I am really lucky that I thoroughly enjoy the people that I work with. And so I'll end up spending quite a bit of time with them uh, outside of work and exploring uh, different cities around Asia. Um, but I have also taken a liking to quite a few cooking classes. Um, and so I explore different cultures in that way. Um, really a lot of it is always based around food uh, for me when you're driving those connections across different cultures.
0: Yeah, it's the table is the gathering place. Do you have a, a specific type of cuisine you're particularly fond of right now?
1: Oh, oh my goodness. That's a really <laughs> difficult question to answer, to be honest. <laughs> um, I Yeah, I, oh man, I have really enjoyed learning about Uh, All different uh, Asian cuisines while I've been here because there's so many. Um, But Japanese, Thai, Indian, I oh, I there's so many.
0: (laughs) Well, as long as one of the
1: things that's really cool, yeah, one of the things that's really cool about Singapore is they have these things called hawker centers, and they're just um, they're kind of like food courts in a mall, but they're all open air outside, and there's so many different vendors, and you can literally get any kind of food that you want there. It's pretty amazing
0: do they do they have a lot of like any American food there as well? Like is it really like this international city?
1: Yeah, so I Singapore is probably fifty percent expats and fifty percent um, locals. If not, like there's probably a much bigger gap between that. But you can, you can get any cuisine that you want in Singapore at any given point in time, and usually it's some of the best in the world because it won't last if it's not really exceptional cuisine. I think Singapore has one of the highest number of Michelin star restaurants in the world, um, and one of my favorite things is one of the hawker stalls where you can go get a meal for $4.50 is in that ranking of michelin stars. So it's it, like you can you can get any kind of food that you want and it's really exceptional
0: and fairly inexpensive by the sounds of things. Like I I would I feel like I would gain a tremendous amount of weight by way of calories there <laughs> if I were to
1: yeah, I mean, you can eat really expensive in Singapore, or you can eat really cheaply in Singapore. It really depends on um, your effort and like where you want to be getting your food.
0: Yeah, I imagine so. What about the, the Singaporean lifestyle? If there is an average uh, way of life, what does that look like? I
1: mean, to be honest, I'm not really sure how to answer that question. Um I I've spent a lot of time, uh, traveling while I've been in Singapore. Um, and I, in terms of like way of life, it's, it's the same as you and me in Canada or anybody really it's family is important. Um, spending time with people that you care about and then working right. Um, a lot of people, uh, a lot of Singaporeans that I met are just like you and me.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, what about like getting around a city that size? Like do most people drive or do you, do you bike walk? What's, what's your mode of transportation?
1: So, Singapore has been really progressive, um, because it's an island, Uh, they've been very strict on the the laws, the number of vehicles, so it's actually quite expensive to drive in Singapore. Um, And most people will use public transit, so they have the the train system or the MRT uh, that you can take across the city, so most people will take um, public transport. Um, and it's very affordable. I can go across the city on the train for about $2. Um, But most of the time, if I'm going somewhere a little bit further where public transport would take me an hour or whatever, um, I'll usually take uh, an Uber-like vehicle. So they have a a different form of Uber in Singapore called uh, Grab. Um, So that's normally what happens, but uh, there is an, there's an incredible amount of wealth in Singapore. And so um, for someone to be able to drive a vehicle, you have to have a pretty substantial income to make that happen.
0: Yeah. that uh...
1: Just maybe just to like give you an idea. Um, a Toyota matrix will cost about a hundred, $120,000 to drive in mm-hmm. Singapore.
0: In like yeah, that in like Canadian dollars or or?
1: yeah, that's in Canadian dollars. So, it let's say the vehicle is thirty thousand dollars. You pay a hundred percent tax to bring it into Singapore, so that puts you at sixty. And then, in order to get a ten-year permit on the vehicle, you have to pay another sixty thousand dollars. And it's usually an annual payment that you have to make.
0: Wow! So they're really. There is really a disincentive to driving there, like because of the 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 size of the island. It's really it makes a heck of a lot more sense for people to get around using public transportation. Absolutely! Wow, that that is not a, I had not heard that before. It's amazing. You know, you mentioned um, the the laws around around you know vehicle transportation. Forgetting about for a moment the the economic cost of it. Oftentimes, we also hear about how you know, you can't spit in public in Singapore. If you do, you'll be caned or something like that. Like, are the laws really that strict there? And and do any of them seem sort of, I don't know, unusual to you?
1: Um, they are very strict in Singapore. Uh, Singapore is probably one of the cleanest cities that I've ever been at. Um, it has this strange sterile a little bit and oddly enough I really love it like I I will go down the street and there's nothing on the ground ever Uh, it's never dirty on the streets Um, so if you contrast that with uh, other cities around the world that have similar populations it'll be the complete opposite where there will be garbage on the corner uh, for like garbage pickup day or there will be like random pieces of trash everywhere and like spills. And that just doesn't exist in Singapore really, Um, at least not where I've been spending most of my time. And one thing that I thought was really weird is, so it used to be illegal to chew gum in Singapore. Um, Now you cannot buy or sell gum, but you can chew gum. So one of the things that a lot of our coworkers, Uh, From other countries, will do is they'll bring us chewing gum because we can't access it in uh, Singapore.
0: That's. Um, I was going to say that's odd, but understandable if you don't want people like spitting it out on the ground. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: So is it is it actually like the a a product that is sought after by people because of the taboo around it?
1: I don't think it's a product sought after by people. But I mean, I I think I think if you're a foreigner and you have easy access to and it's something that you do on a regular basis, then I can see it being something that you seek out. Um, But I definitely, (laughs) I mean, I don't really miss chewing gum that much, so (laughs) I don't really I don't really seek it out.
0: Yeah, are there are there customs there that you had to get used to when you first arrived, or is it like you said, pretty much an international city, so just about anything goes kind of thing
1: yeah i mean it's a standard international city right uh everybody english is one of the recognized languages of the country and so it's been very easy to adapt uh the government has been very progressive in uh their upbringing uh with a lot of this like students in secondary schools and so they they're required to learn english and their mother tongue so um, I, I actually think that Singapore is very comparable to Canada in the sense that it's a, a multicultural melting pot of uh, folks from everywhere around the world. Um, and the government is very intentional about maintaining uh, that level of diversity, but it's not in the same number of pockets that you would see across uh, Canada where there's like specific sections uh, in different cities where a lot of people will live. Uh, I find that there is a mix and that that has been designed by the government. So uh, there's a lot of social housing in uh, Singapore, uh, but it's, it's very good social housing. And so there will be a mixture of different races in each of these buildings. And there's kind of a, a quota um, for each building so that it's a mixed cultural experience.
0: Hmm. So there is there really no bad part of town in Singapore?
1: No, you can you can leave your phone on a table in one of these uh, hawker centers and walk away from it and it will still be there when you come back. Oh. Um, Sing- yeah, Singapore is one of the safest countries I've ever been. Um, you can walk anywhere at any time of night. And be completely and totally safe. That's probably a very like distinctive thing about Singapore um, compared to most countries that I spend time in.
0: No kidding. That that is something that I wish we could export to the rest of the world.
1: Yeah, it'd be pretty amazing, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: the the laws are also very strict in Singapore, so I'm sure that has a lot to do with it.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um. Is given the 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 differences between Singapore and so many other countries. And it sounds like idyllic in a lot of ways. Are there any things that uh, you miss about Canada that just aren't quite the same in Singapore?
1: I miss the snow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's usually 30 to de- 32 degrees Celsius and like 80 to 90% humidity every day. Um, it's actually a little bit cool right now where I will feel a little bit chilly at 27 degrees. <laughs> I know that is maybe not something that you would ever think about, um, coming from a place where like right now we're having record snowfall and Revelstoke. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's probably one of the things that, that I miss about being in Canada.
0: Well, not to make you feel badly about it, the base at Revelstoke is two hundred and thirty-five centimeters and in the last twenty four hours it snowed six yeah. centimeters.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's it's really it's really eye opening right now.
0: So it it sounds like uh it sounds like the mountains of Canada ah. will call you back home at the end of your stint there. And and that's limited by by the the contract or your job right now anyway, correct?
1: Um, yeah, so I, I actually, the, my work assignments, um, in Singapore could likely get extended, but I am very excited to go back to Canada and I'll continue working for the same company. Um, but it, uh, it'll just be from a different location and I will be working on very similar projects.
0: And if, if the opportunity to work outside of Canada comes along again, is it something you'd pursue?
1: um there would there would need to be like quite a few things that line up for that to happen again um don't get me wrong like i i lived and worked in austria uh, a number of years ago and it was amazing and i lived and worked in like now i've lived and worked in singapore and i've i've traveled the world um with work and it's been really incredible experience and um but i'm i'm really looking forward to going back and developing that community and just like investing my energy into that um that community
0: Yeah i mean i guess kind of what you're saying is place matters and and the specific place you want to be matters a great deal to you Exactly which is exciting i'm i'm you know i'm always i'm always happy to hear when people are looking forward to coming back to canada because there are lots of great experiences out there in the world. And of course, it depends on where you're at in your life. But uh, Canada needs more worldly people to come back and teach the rest of us about what's going on out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I guess so. <laughs>
0: it's, it's one of the reasons I do this show. I'm um, one of the least well-traveled people on Earth. But uh, are there any any bits of advice you would give to other folks who might be considering an opportunity to live abroad, whether it's for work or, or just to travel for a period of time? What would you say to people who are thinking about it? Do it. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I, I can tell you that the time that I spend abroad just makes me so grateful for the things that I have access to. Um, I, I was in the Philippines for three weeks over Christmas and New Year's, and we lost electricity for days there. And it was normal. Um and we are so lucky to have the things that we do, like the things that you don't even think about anymore, right? Like running water is stuff that we absolutely take for granted. Um and I I think those experiences are what cultivate humility and really cultivate um a sense of gratitude for for all of the opportunities that we have. I think getting exposure to um, other cultures and in different countries really just gives you that many more opportunities because you have the, the diversity that you can bring to the table.
0: And that's the end of season two, episode five of Canadians Away. Thanks so much to Robin Larson for speaking with me. Canadians Away is hosted by me, Adam Rosenhart and produced by Julie Elford information for today's intro came from Singapore Facts and History at thoughtco.com and wikipedia.org. If there are other Canadians living or who have lived abroad that you think have a story to share, have them email us at info at canadiansaway.ca or send us an email yourself and let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to Canadians Away on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever pods are cast. And please leave us a review. Follow and like us on both Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Canadians Away. And you can find us on Twitter, at CanadiansPod. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll hear from another Canadian living abroad in a couple of weeks.